0: to the people from Bangladesh you'd never know Bangladesh is a hotbed of Hasidic activity yeah, yeah. You just never know SoundCloud has taken Hasidus to Bangladesh so the Rebbe said at the beginning of the at uh, the beginning of the page with the amazing idea this was this was answering our question right that that, that Dear b'tachteinim is something that exists as soon as the world is created because mitzvah dekudesh baruch obviously a kudesh baruch who sees a revelation of, it, of elokus in El-Maza. that's what El-Maza is El-Maza is a what's the issue the issue is that the people there don't see it and the, what the abrasher wants is that we should experience godliness in this world the fact that this world is a world of godliness is a, a, an essential. Expression of reality—that's what Elam has. is. I. But you and I don't experience that because, relative to you and I, Mitzad HaBriya, The Rebbe's lesson was Mitzad HaBriya In terms of the creation, so this is in a state of concealment, <coughs> and our Veda is to reveal it, just like Adam Harishan and the rest of the, the second half of the whole paragraph on page two hundred sixty. So the Rebbe explained to us. How Aleph, Adam Arishan brought about a revelation of Eloquus and Elam HaZer and the Rebbe explained to us the, a little bit of the Shir Shal Yom of Yom Shishi, shi, which of course corresponds to the, uh, the sixth day of creation, and that's when Adam Arishan was busy doing that. And, and how you and I have the ability to do that through Torah and Mitzvahs, just as he did it the way he did it, so we have the ability to do it through Torah and Mitzvahs, the Oiz that girded his loins, so that Oiz is Ultimately Terra is Elaterra. And and each and every one of us has been given that Koyach, by virtue of the fact that we're created in his image, Adam Rishon's image, right? That Akkadish Brok Teveya Adam that he established us with the seal of Adam Rishon, and then we learned that the seal is something immutable. Who did we learn that from? That a seal is immutable. And ask that you actually remember something that we learned, but uh, we did learn it. We've been stand over by, it twice. What stand by the king not Oh, ready. beautiful! Achashverosh. says to Esther when she says, "No, undo the decrees. As I stamped it with my stamp, it's un, it, it can't be undone." He gave us the ability to fight back, so that's of course the whole story of Purim. But that's what Achashverosh says, and wh- what does Achashverosh mean? Well, he means. Ultimately, he said that, so we'd understand this mimer. So we understood. We understand that when that that mimer chazal means that each and every one of us has an immutable ability to, meaning uh, uh, impossible to uproot, our ability to reveal Elokos. another one says something very, very important. I move. Mean, everything we've said in this mimer is important, but there's another very important line. Mikol zeh the the iker inyon ha-vedu top line on page 261, u gilu elokus. Now that's a very important line, because if you were to ask people about what and mitzvahs are about, many of them would tell you that it's about elevating yourself, and it's about becoming a better person, it's about tikkun it's about all sorts of things. Right. Some people might even be so silly as to say, not, not that, I mean, it's not that it's a silly idea, it would be silly to say that this is the whole Indian of terim mitzvahs. Do Tarih Mitzvahs get us Eilam Haba? Yes, if a person does Tarih Mitzvahs, then he gets this incredible reward in Eilam Haza. But hopefully that's not why a person does Tarih Mitzvahs, right? So it might be as someone would say, well, for Haba, a person might say that. Whereas here, what does the Rebbe say? Once we understand that the whole purpose of creation is dear B'tach then the whole purpose of avoiding Vedim Mitzvahs is Gilel HaKus. Ah, yes, obviously it affects us positively. Right? We definitely become better people if we keep the Torah the way the Torah is supposed to be kept. We can. That doesn't mean if 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 we're religious, we're better people. Right? If we keep the Torah the way the Torah is is intended to be done, so then we're definitely better people. We're people who are sensitive, who are caring, who give lots of tzedakah, who spend their time trying to trying to do all sorts of good things in the world. We have a very serious. Understanding of the fact that our life is not about us; it's about something much grander than us, much greater than us, much more lofty than us. That's a serious person, definitely a better person. There's no question. But that's not why we do Torah mitzvahs. We don't do Torah mitzvahs to become a better person. We do Torah mitzvahs in order to reveal El and elam If you do that, so then you're probably a better person. But that's just uh, right? like the husband. We've talked about the husband many times. Four levels. Of, I mean, it's, the, the, the Rebbe. There's a very famous sefer. The Rebbe from was Yud Gimel Tishrei, somewhere in the early Mems. I don't remember exactly when it was. Mem Gimel Mem Dalid, which is like 83, 84, somewhere in there. Remember the Rebbe? The Rebbe for Brained Yud Gimel Tishrei is uh, it's the uh, so the So the so the Rebbe for Brain and and um, and it did something very unusual. Very rarely did the Rebbe ever express the difference between Musa and Chassidus. Just didn't talk about it. All right? So the that Sikha the Rebbe expresses, it explains the difference between Mussar and Chassidus in a very interesting way. It explains that there's three different levels of sheloil lishma. There's three different levels of doing something for for you know, one's own self selfish reasons, and then there's the fourth level, which is the level of L'Shema. And that corresponds to the four, le- four letters of Shem Hashem from the bottom up, K, Vav, K. Those are all three levels of Sholei And Yud, <coughs> Yud is the level completely blishum whom rest, without any self-interest whatsoever, doing something only because the Kodesh Baruch Hu wants. And what are those three levels? So the, the three levels of Sholei So the Rebbe says that the three levels of Sholei are to do mitzvahs, the first level is do mitzvahs for a reward in Elam Haseh. A person does mitzvahs for reward in Eilim what might that reward be? It gives meaning in my life. It gives me structure. Okay, so that's a very wonderful thing, and there's nothing, I mean, the person's keeping Shabbos and eating kosher food, but there's that's clearly self-interest. I'm clearly doing it for me. It's my life, my structure. It gives meaning to my life. Is that person a terrible, horrible, wicked person that should be thrown off a cliff? God forbid, they're a wonderful person. Are they serving God for the right reason? No, they're serving God for the wrong reason, but at least they're doing something positive. That's one level. Reward in this world. Now, the reward could be also, you know, the person thinks if they keep Shabbos, that God will give them a lexus. I mean, that's, you know, lower. But I mean, even the person who's, you know, it, it, it gives me meaning in life and fulfills my life, etc. So, that's for me. Uh, so that's the lowest level. That's a reward in this world. That's where I get meaning in this world. So that's the lowest level of Sholei Lushma, the Rebbe says. Then there's a level beyond that, that a world, a person does mitzvahs in order to get a reward in the world to come. That's a little higher. Slightly de- delayed gratification, okay? But still ultimately for me, because it's my, my world to come. It's my villa in Gan Eden. I want a villa with a garden and a pool. I don't want to have to go to the mikvah down the block. I want a pool in the back. It's so much easier. Right. Okay. Oh, that's, that's the, what? It says, you know, it's The only the only mitzvah you get rewarded in this world. is Yes, there's a tension in Chazal, whether or not there is indeed reward for any mitzvahs in this world, right? It's Simply Chazal say that there isn't, right? Right? That there's no schar Baalma day in this world. No schar for mitzvahs. Baalma day in this world. Okay. So that's that's true, obviously. But you and I also know that people talk about the fact that doing mitzvahs brings baruch into the world. And by davening properly on Rosh Hashanah, you ultimately are, are establishing all the baruch that the Kaddish baruch is going to give you in B'meshach the whole year. So there's definitely some tension between the simple pshat of schar mitzvah, that there is no reward for mitzvah in this world, that the ultimate reward is the world to come, and the fact that, the, that doing mitzvahs doesn't necessarily, but can be a source of tremendous brachah in a person's life, right? I mean, and, and the rabbi talks about it all the time, right? And all the rabbiim talk about it, and everybody talks about it. Right? So there's that tension, there's no question. 100%. Right. The ultimate scar is definitely not in this world because there's nothing in this world commensurate to the power of a mitzvah. So you can't possibly which is the general way that we you know, deal with, the, with this apparent contradiction. There is no way of getting true reward for a mitzvah in this world because this world doesn't have anything of value that could possibly be commensurate to the reward that one deserves for doing a mitzvah. Right? What are you going to give someone? Well, anything you give them is, by definition, something temporary and, and limited. So it's just not commensurate at all to the power of the mitzvah that they did, which is completely beyond limitation, and ultimately connects them to incredibly powerful levels of godly reality. So in that sense, there's no scar for mitzvah in this world. It can't possibly be a scar. What if it gives you the craft to Torah, which is what would be representative of Sibasstrana? Would that be? We still have to learn Torah. I mean, the fact that the Hebrews gives me Kayak doesn't mean that... I mean, yeah, we do get Kayak from the fact we do, there's no question. But that isn't... That's still ultimately something physical and something limited in the question. You could theoretically use that to... I don't know. For any other purpose. Right? You could use it, you could use that way, that... that physical energy to do something other than learning Torah or doing mitzvahs, and you could use that intellectual clarity to understand uh, mathematics. So, yes, there's no question that the Ebershah gives us all sorts of bracha in this world. There's no question. We open up all sorts of channels to incredible bracha by virtue of the fact that we we try to connect to godliness in this world. No question. But the ultimate schar for what we do this world can't possibly can't possibly give us something commensurate to the power of a mitzvah. Okay, fine. But that doesn't mean that there aren't. I mean, just the simple fact that that you know. Last night I was teaching some Lubavitcher girls, so they're busy quetching, you know, about how hard it is to serve God in this generation. And all of a sudden, you know, this generation discovered the wheel and decided that uh, that this is the generation that's hard. that's hard to serve God in our generation. Of course, every other generation had it easy, but only this generation has it hard. And that's, you know, a mantra that you hear from youth, right? Now, that's, of course, a mantra that you've heard from youth for the last 3,300 years, right? This whole ridiculous notion of, you know, serving God in the modern world. Can you serve God in the modern world? So people love to write articles in Jewish magazines. Has there ever been a person alive in any world other than the modern world? In the 1500s, they all talked about how lucky they are to live in the 1500s, and they don't live in the modern world because they lived. If they lived in the modern world, they'd really be challenged, but they're not challenged because they live in you know darkness. I mean, every single Jew who ever lived, every single person who ever lived, lived in the most modern world that had existed to that point. And in the 1950s, all sorts of people were talking about the difficulty of serving God in the modern world. God hadn't even put color in the world yet. God put color in 1963. The world became color. Look at all the pictures before that. Everything's black and white. Color didn't happen until the 60s. Right? Not the hippies, just color. That's when Kodak made color. So God colored the world, right? Okay, so the whole world was black and white. And they thought that that world was challenging to serve God. Radio. Whoa! a radio. I mean, how am I going to serve God because I have to listen to the radio? So, okay. So everybody has their issues about how difficult it is and how hard it is. Okay. But when I said something to them, they all agreed. These are Lubavitcher girls. They all agreed. It was very interesting. I said, I w- and I told them, "I mean, you're going to agree with this statement. It's been my own personal experience, and I would assume that you're going to agree with this statement." And they all did, even the crutchiest ones in the group. Right? Said, "The happiest people you know are the most Hasidish people you know." They all agreed with that statement. The happiest people they know are the now. Remember, they grew up in a Hasidic environment, right? So, so they right. And all their friends who fried out in high school are miserable. What were they looking for? Happiness. Are they happy? No, they're miserable. More miserable than they are. <laughs> now, you know, in all fairness, that's—it's not really fair because I mean, part of the reason they fried out was because they were miserable. And, uh, right? But it didn't work. It didn't make them happy. Right? Okay. So there is reward for for mitzvahs and eilim was simcha? It's an unbelievable reward. The the, the the most live, active, connected, happy, happening people I know. The most enthusiastic people I know, personally. Uh, there's no question. Okay, azma. But but that's not why you serve God. That doesn't mean that it doesn't work. <laughs> you don't serve God for that because that's a reward in this world. You don't serve God for eilim haba. And the third level that the Rebbe mentions in the Maimah, in the, maima, the Sikha, is, is, is tikkun amidas, to become a better person. Uh, which the Rebbe said, that's musa. It's very rare that the Rebbe ever talks in those terms. And that's musa. Musa is about tikkun amidas. The Rebbe says that's the highest level of shaloy lushma. But it's still a shaloy lushma. That's by far the highest level, because it's something altruistic. But ultimately, it's not, because it's really about me, that I should be better. So I remember we once for bringing four different levels of a husband. We've talked about it, right? The husband who brings his wife flowers. Why? Because she cooks him a better meal. If he brings home flowers, he gets a better dinner. Okay. A low life. Who did he bring flowers to? Himself. His wife's just an object to bring flowers to because she cooks the meal. Okay. So he didn't bring flowers to his wife. He brought flowers to himself because he wants a better dinner. Okay. So that's commensurate to reward and Elam Hazan. Right. Or a guy brings flowers home because it makes a better atmosphere in the house. Well, that's also for him. Now, she gets that atmosphere. That's not, but ultimately, that's he wants a better atmosphere in the house. So he brings home flowers. So that's like Elam Habo. You know, nice atmosphere. So they say it's really nice up there. Okay. Fine. We learned in Picky Albus, both week. Okay. There's a person that brings flowers home because, because he wants to be a better husband. That's the third level. Still him. He read in a book that good husbands bring home flowers, so he wants to be a good husband, so he brought home flowers. His wife still is not part of this picture. (laughs) Holy man, he's giving her the flowers, but she's just, she's a prop in all of this stuff he's doing for himself. And the fourth guy said, someone he brings home flowers because his wife likes flowers. Oh, finally, the type of husband you're all gonna be. Has nothing to do with him, has to do with his wife. He brought his wife flowers, he didn't bring himself flowers. He doesn't like flowers. He especially doesn't like purple ones. If he were to bring one, he'd bring yellow. He'd bring himself. But he brings purple, which he really doesn't like. Why? Because that's what his wife likes. So he brings purple. And he likes bringing purple, not because he likes it. He doesn't like it. He likes bringing purple because she likes it. Makes him it, 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 He's basimcha bringing her purple flowers that he hates because she loves purple flowers. Because he loves her. That's Lushma. That's serving God. For what's God want? He wants to be revealed. What are we doing? We're trying to reveal Aye, mm-hmm. All this other stuff going on. But what's it all about? It's about revealing him. That's what the Rebbe just said. Which is a very, very amazing thing. And from this it's understood. Gamma she bechol mitzvah. That means every since, every, since mitzvah is about Gileo El so then there must be an aspect of revelation in every mitzvah, because uh, uh, that's what mitzvahs are about. So the Rebbe says. yuven mitzvah yeshnei schar shel yoda. Here you go. here you go. The Rebbe says, what's the schar? It's the ganeden of the mitzvah, because after all, simple pshat, what do you get from, the, meaning what's the schar for mitzvahs? Ganeiden? Because I'll say it, the Torah says it, it's not, it's, I mean, that we, we just learned a parsha that says, if you keep the Torah, things will be good. And if you don't keep the Torah, I'm going to smash the living daylights out of you, right? And, and I mean, it's like really heavy, it's unbelievable. And he gets into the smashing. I mean, the smashing is like pussock after pussock after pussock after pussock of another smash and another smash, 96 different levels of smashing. Twice as many as we heard in in in, in Veikah in and We only heard forty-eight different levels of smashing. Today's right. chittes. What does Rashi say that the that the Yidin knew that that Meir was going to talk about smashing them? They were to say like, we can't do deal with this. And what does he say? Don't worry, you're still here, right? You're you're here, today. You're standing. You're okay. Don't worry sounds terrible, but you don't worry, you're you're around. Today's chitus. Even though it's yesterday's pasuk, I understand, but it's in today's Okay, That's the advantage of commuting to work. You get to see chitus first thing in the morning. The train. Maybe it was the bus, I don't know. It was one of them. Okay. So there is schar in Elam Hazir. That, you know, to understand that, you know, last week's parsha understands. I mean, basically, what the, the way Chassidus understands last week's parsha is: what world do you want? You want a world. You want. You want nature. You want to just live in the context of a world that seems to be devoid of godliness, and everything will just work in accordance with you know natural circumstance, so to speak, the law of the jungle. No problem. This is what it looks like. All those hepecha brachas, that's just the world, the way it is naturally, if no one tries to elevate it and no, no one tries to illuminate it. So to speak, the law of the jungle. Who wins in the jungle? Strongest lion. What happens to the second lion? The, the, the strongest lion bites his throat and kills him. That's elamaz. Right? And when then what happens to the strongest lion? Oh, he gets some disease and rots away and there's no doctors and he just dies. The jungle, this idyllic, beautiful place where animals run free, yeah. I mean, poor HaShem, they, they do, a lot of them run free, a lot of them also die of horrible disease, and they don't have food, and they get, you know, all sorts of horrible stuff happens there. And all sorts of good stuff happens there. But it's luck of the draw. Okay, that's what the hamster says, that's what you want, so yeah, that's it, is what it looks like. A fascinating story, Gerald Durrell. Gerald Durrell is a very weird person, but but uh, he um, is a strange one of those strange people. He and his wife, no children, but they run a zoo. You know, he's like one of these guys, huh? and he writes books. So he writes books about putting together his zoo. And his zoo was was a lot of the thing of a zoo was after endangered species and you know putting them in a zoo to, to make sure that they last and and you know trying to. You know, grow the species, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he would go to all sorts of interesting places all over the world, and he writes these interesting books about going to these places and capturing the animals with the locals. He has to get the locals. The locals know how to do it. He's, you know, he's, he's a useless Englishman. What does he know? So he sits there in his little Hi. camp and chronicles everything. But he, he's got locals who go out and catch the stuff. So he, he <coughs> has a very. There's books. <laughs> he's also very funny. So his books are very interesting and he's in Africa and he talks about you know, hunting in different places in Africa and you know, people bringing him, bringing him what he needed there and, uh, and he, he tell, he, once he was in South America and they caught all sorts of animals and you know, reptiles and all sorts of stuff and they had them all, all caged up ready to go and then there was a coup in the country and so he couldn't take any of the stuff out of the country he couldn't get a permit to take it out of the country so he had to let all the animals free fine so he let all the animals free every single mammal not the lizards and the snakes, or the birds. Every single mammal, the next day, was sitting on top of the cage where he was, waiting for breakfast. They all came back, he let them free, and they all ran into the forest. The next morning, they were all, you know, uh, 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 like, uh, I don't know what, what cat, tiger, lion, you know, I don't know what's in those forests, but you know, serious sized cats, right? Sitting on top of their cage, like pussy cats, waiting for their you know steak that he's going to give them because this is this is a good deal. I was just hanging around doing nothing and I got this steak every morning. I'm into this. Right? No, obviously he doesn't. He doesn't want to be confined. I'm not, that's not so silly as to think he'd like to be confined. He'd like to run around, but he does like getting a steak every morning because that's pretty good. And out there, that's not so easy. In here, that was a breeze. I just hung around. I didn't do much. I slept all day. And then and, he and, and brought me their steak every morning. I'm for that. Every single mammal. He said they're all sitting there like pussycats on their cage. These like killers, right? So he didn't know. What he, first, he was scared to go outside. Then he realized they just want breakfast. Gave them breakfast. They all disappeared. Came back the next day. Now He wasn't around for very long. Right? He just went home. He couldn't do anything. Well, he said it was found. the mammals. They can think a little, right? The lizards just... just Lizards and snakes aren't going to come back because they're just stupid. The mammals that have a little bit of a brain relative to the others, I mean, they have to be a little more clever in hunting, etc., etc., so they all came back, sat on their cage, and waited. (laughs) Things that, you know, if you ran into in the wild, you'd be a little afraid that it would eat you. They were just sitting there. So that's the world that a Kaddish Baruch describes in last week's parsha. That's what you want, Shah, no problem. But I just know what it is. Right? A world without elokus, Pasha the jungle. Nothing matters. Nothing means anything. You can decide it does, but that's your own hang-up. Now, I don't have to agree with you. That's a pretty wild world. There are people who want it in the world into that but there are Baruch Hashem, other people fighting back mm-hmm. so every 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 mitzvah has its schar what's the schar the gilu elokus the tshayich to that mitzvah ganed shizeu a gilui shal yidei mitzvah the Rebbe says that's the gilui of the mitzvah the gilui that comes as a result of the mitzvah Tehagam, that even though sheschar mitzvah bahayel malayka uh, frayim right? this is my Mishu right is what this is what you just said the Rebbe deals with that even though in this world, what do we say? Shachar mitzvah el Mikol Mikom Nevertheless, we know that there is some aspect of Shachar in Eilam Hazar to the extent that there's there's a response to what we do in Eilam Hazar. There's no question. Our Yiduamash because <laughs> of a Rambam. The Rambam certainly knows that Maimar Chazal. Demash Nikra Eilam Haba B'Shem Eilam Haba the word Elam haba means two things, right? Double entendre is what they say, right? They say double, double, double. double entendre. In English they say double entendre. They were use entendre, but they say double means two things, right? Because Elam Haba can either refer to w- what you and I will receive. We're not leaving Elam Haza, Mashiach is coming, we're here forever. Up until now, people were in this world and then they leave this world, okay? And what do they get after this world? The world to come. Relative to where I am now, that's the world to come. But that world exists now, I'm just not there. There are is there right now, right? It exists, Gan Eden exists, it's just not on our plane of existence. It's in a place called Eilem HaYetzirah, that's Gan Eden Tachtin, and Eilam Abriya. that's Gan Eden Eliyah. Okay, but in uh, the time up there is obviously different than time down here, but that world exists as you and I are here. That world is there, and as a matter of fact, there's a level of your neshama that is hanging out there right now. Chay Yesheh is in Gan Eden. That's where your Chay Yesheh is. It's a makif, it's not clothed in your body. Three levels of your soul are clothed in your body, Chayash and Benefish is in Ganadin, and etzim is Mushrash and Atzmus. Five levels of soul, three of which are clothed in the body. But only three. Where are the other two? Well, one of those is in a place called Ganadin. So right now you're in Gan Eden. What part of you? A superconscious part of you that you're not aware of consciously. It might have some residual effect now and then on how you act in Eilam Haza, but but you're not conscious of that level of reality. It's not here, somewhere else, but it's now, it's not then. So there's that aspect of Eilam Haba, the world to come, but not the world that isn't yet. It's a world to come for you and me. Hopefully not you and me. You and I, we don't want to go there. We want Mashiach to come, and then they'll come here. But but all the you's and me's who have been in Ilam Hazab until now went to a place after the world to come for each individual. Then sometimes when Chazal say Ilam Haba, they're referring to the world that does not yet exist, called Ailam Athiya, the world of the resurrection, right? The world that will be the second kufa, the second period of Mashiach. Right? That's also called Ilam Haba. But that I mean that's more the world to come, it's not now. Whereas usually when we say elam haba, we're referring not not always, but usually we're referring to ganeden, and that's what the, that's what the Rebbe's quoting from the Rambam right now. The Rambam says the elam That elam called the world to come. It's not because it comes after this world, meaning this world will live will be around for almost six thousand years the in the the six thousand years of this world, right? Meshirch is 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 the 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 messianic era is the Shabbos, the seventh millennium. Doesn't mean you can bring in Shabbos early, right? It's already Shabbos. It's, it's Friday afternoon. We can bring in Shabbos. We don't have to. We don't have to wait. Don't worry. We have to wait another two hundred and twenty years. We're not interested in waiting. Okay. So so the the but the six thousand years of the world's history. So that's elam Hazer. and then that last millennium—that's called elam haba, the world that will be, the world to come. Right. So that's not pshat. The Ramam says generally when Chazal says elam haba, that's called elam atchiah, the world of resurrection, which is the second kufa in Yemei Mashiach. Right when Mashiach is revealed, so the, 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 basically the first kufa is ein bein. The only difference is that we're in charge and we have a melech here in Yisrael We're in charge of our own affairs. There'll be a base of Migdash. All sorts of wonderful things are going to happen. But the metaphysical reality that we experience won't necessarily be that different. Though people will stop complaining about how hard it is to serve God in the modern world, they'll, they'll stop that. Right, okay, but 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 it, 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 the reality, as we see it, will be relatively similar. The second Kufa will be a complete change in 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 how we perceive reality. Souls will come back into bodies, and people will be different. <coughs> and that's Elam Hab. That's Elam Atchiah. But Elam Hab, here the Rambam says Gan Eden. What you and I call Gan Eden. So the Ram says, <speaking in Hebrew> It comes after life in this world. Not after the history of this world, but after each individual's life in this world. <speaking> in <Hebrew> it comes as a result of the in Elm Hazel. How powerfully do a, does a person experience a revelation of godliness in elam haba, Depending on how hard he tried to experience that in elam Hazel. And elam haba will reveal that which was hidden here. Vahaynu. <speaking in Hebrew> Ki atzma, in the avayda itself, yeshnei kfar aschar Gilui. The avayda itself contains within it this schar and gilu. That's the, na- the nature of a mitzvah, is it's all about godliness. and this is why Chazal say, schar mitzvah. What's the reward for a mitzvah? Hu a mitzvah atzma, schar mitzvah mitzvah, Chazal say. Which is slightly different than mitzvah gererah's mitzvah. Many people explain schar mitzvah mitzvah that the, re- the reward for mitzvah is the kayach to do another mitzvah. Well, because I'll say mitzvah good to mitzvah. The one mitzvah drags with it another mitzvah. So schar mitzvah mitzvah also means something deeper. What's the schar of a mitzvah? The mitzvah itself. What's mitzvah? Lashen connection. The language of, to be, of being connected to something. What's the ultimate reward of doing a mitzvah is the connection that that mitzvah affords. The action itself. Not what comes after it. The actual connection that's a function of it. Ah, so each mitzvah is a state of Gilu elokos. So the mitzvah is. I might not be aware of that, but that's what it is. Were I aware of that, oh my goodness gracious. First of all, I'd be running to do mitzvah. Second of all, I, who knows? I might I might just be the bottle of gilu. In the Aveda itself, there's already the skar. What's that? Skar mitzvah mitzvah atzma. It's not what comes after? It's the essential state of the mitzvah. is a state of incredibly powerful elukus. Ubeze yuvan And this in, in this it's understood that which is explained in a number of places. That what? There's a place called Gan Eden. We know there's Gan as we said. There's Gan Eden and that's in Eilam Yetsira. There's Gan Eden and that's in Eilam Abriah. There's neshamas that after they leave this world, they hang out in Gan Eden And there's neshamas that are higher levels neshamas after they leave this world, they they hang out in Gan Eden Eliyah. Okay, so those places exist not in, in in metaphysical space. There's such places. How do you get there? I, I mean, you can't get there on on a plane. You Can't like fly on a spaceship and leave Earth and then you'll get there. It doesn't work that way not a physical place, it's a metaphysical place. Okay, fine. Don't, but those places exist. There's also a Ganeiden in every world. And what does Ganeiden relate to in every world? It means the, the aspect of godly revelation that exists in that world. And the interestingly enough, the most powerful godly revelation is actually in this world. We're just not aware of it. This world is the most powerful. Where does a Kaddish Baruch Hu want to be revealed? Where is he revealed? The, 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 the Rabbi told us on the previous page. What's the place of the greatest revelation of God? This world. If this world's already a dirbetakhtenim, and what does dirbetakhtenim mean? Who is it, so to speak? Who? That wants to be revealed in the lower realms? Who is that? Don't say God, because that's not a good enough answer. Who is that? Who wants to be revealed in the lower realm? What aspect of godly reality had that taivu? Hmm? no that tiva produced the rutzer livra the essence of God there's nothing else there's just the to himself so to speak and t- I mean even after there's also only the Abish himself but even in any and on in, 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 in any level of reality what is it there's just God the himself when he has that tiva hmm I have a taiva for a dear butach up, that happens up in Etsum. the essence of God the Ebers to himself that aspect of God that's completely beyond understanding Shire will explain it to you about where he comes from and why he exists and all that okay with a smile that level of elakus says hmm I want there to be a Deir what happens? an explosion of infinite godly light There's no light before that. Why? Because godly light exists by virtue of the fact that the Abishra has a desire for godly light. Godly light has no essential existence. It exists because something brought it into existence. What's that? The essence of God brought it into existence. Why? It's part of a whole process of ultimately coming down. What does the Abishra want? He wants that infinite light? That infinite light is beyond belief it's incredible it's amazing but he's not interested in that what's he interested in? he's interested in this world and being revealed in this world how do you do that? a mitzvah so he's interested in mitzvahs that's what he's interested in in hadzimus. so you want, you want to connect to elakuz? you want to be where there's really where, where the apis is mamish 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 there? don't go to elam yetzira don't go to elam Abriyan. elam is amazing but that's not it don't go into the realm of Sevev. You want to be there? What was that? Infinite godly light. Incredible. Amazing. Uh, unbelievable levels of reality. So powerful that what might happen? What's the mashal? We saw it in B'yeh What's the mashal? Someone walking along into the chamber of the king. He might be so taken by the beauty of the chambers leading to the chamber of the king that what might he forget to do? Thank go you. into the chamber of the king. Blown away by, by the, 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 the opulence of the, of the, of the hallway. He forgets to go see the king. He forgets why he's there. He's just, wow. This is unbelievable. What's that? That's saving. Unbelievable, incredible, beautiful, majestic, godly revelation. Amazing. So beautiful that evidently when people are in that realm, what do they forget about? Mine. Because they say the neshamas, the neshamas of tzaddikim, right? Neshamas of tzaddikim who tell the Abishur, the Rabbi, the Rabbi told us the story of a number of tzaddikim who said, "I'm not going into Gan Eden until you bring Mashiach." And each was enticed into Gan Eden in a different way. He was seduced to ultimately jump into Gan Eden and forget about what? Mashiach? Why? So nice up there. What's Mashiach? Essence. What's up there? Or. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Incredible. The Rebbe said, it was an amazing sikh. The Rebbe said, perhaps the only way not to be enticed is to take a neder Barabin, to take a public vow not to go into Gan Eden unless Mashiach comes and the power of that vow is so powerful since it's Torah that that person wouldn't go into Gan Eden Did the Rebbe take some people say that's what the Rebbe was doing right then I have no idea it's not my business well, some people say that's exactly what the Rebbe was doing at that particular point I, I don't know my job isn't to do the Rebbe's job my job is to do my job the Rebbe's job, I'll leave to the Rebbe just like the Eber's my job isn't to do the Eber's job the Eber's job is to give you everything you need in Gashmias and in Ruchnias that's his job, stay out of that do your job, what's your job give the the dear job, just do the job forget about his job it's not your job everybody's so busy doing God's job, they forget to do their own God's not doing this, God's not doing that he should do it this way, he should do it that way, it's not my job he runs the world. He's, so far, he's been doing pretty well. Are there things he does that we don't like? For sure. right? But, I mean, if we're smart enough, we realize we don't understand. And that's the way it goes, okay? I mean, we're not, that doesn't mean we don't daven that things like that shouldn't happen. But, but we don't get him. But what we do get, we know what our job is. What's our job? Our job is to reveal all the kuznets, el- That's what Mitz isn't the right that. That's what we'll be said. How? Well... Every single mitzvah. What's, what is the mitzvah? The mitzvah is an incredibly powerful expression, the most powerful expression of elokus. When Hanani said earlier, Rutzer. So, there's a tension in, in Chsidis, obviously. The the, the the first step of the creative process is what we call the apushet livre, the basic simple desire to create. So now rutzen though is already a revealed power. It's a subcon- in you and I it's a subconscious revealed power, but it's still a revealed part of us. Meaning it's hidden until it comes revealed in our conscious reality, but I understand, but 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 it it it, it it's not my essence. It's an expression of my essence. It might be a very powerful expression of my essence, but it's not the essence of who I am. So rutson is already not the essence of God. Okay, that being said, it's incredibly powerfully connected to that place. Okay. What is the ultimate of eponemia? What's the most powerful expression of God's will? A mitzvah. God created a world. Why? Because he wanted to. Why did he want to? Because he wanted mitzvahs. He wanted mitzvahs. That's what he wanted. Who gets to do that? Neshama's in Ha'ilam Ha'bo? No. They don't get to do mitzvahs. You do. Down here. You said it yet? You said it uh, two days ago. Ya'afashach has b'tshuva meisin tevin be'ilam hazem ikol ha'ilam one moment of Tshu ben one performance of a mitzvah in Eilam Haza is greater than all of the world to come. All of the revelation possible in 6,000 years of the world to come isn't equal to the revelation, the connection to God that is afforded by one mitzvah. Unbelievable. That's what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah is this unbelievably powerful expression of godly revelation. I don't feel it. Well, that's my hang-up. That doesn't mean that the mitzvah isn't what it is. So that's what the Rebbe says. That there's Ganaiden in every gener in in, in in every world. And what's the Ganaiden of this world? This incredibly powerful level of godliness that's revealed by virtue of doing mitzvahs. Right? So that's what the Rebbe says. Eighth line. Not only upper Gan Eden, which is Abriya, Gan Eden Takhtin, which is an Eilimab Yetzirah, Elegan Eden Shabachola Eilim the Gan Eden that's in every single world, meaning the state of revelation every world, and obviously the emphasis is on this world. There's also Gan Eden in this world. In other words, there's a very, very powerful revelation of godliness in this world. Shazen Nasa, how do we bring about the existence of that state of reality? And we'll say revelation, even though it's, it's, it, we know that something can be revealed even though we aren't aware of its revelation, right? What's a muscle that we've talked about a number of times to help us understand such an idea? That your action can reveal godliness even though you're not aware of the revelation? What's a mushle for such a thing? We've talked about it numerous times. I said, "You're gonna. Go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Radio waves in this room. There's radio waves banging around in this room. You could pick up, I don't know, 100 radio stations in this room. Someone is revealing radio waves in this room. You're just not a radio, so you're not you're not aware of that." Is someone doing that? Yes, there's someone actively revealing those waves in this room. They are sending them, they are transmitting them to this room. So that if you had a radio and you turned it on, you would pick up many, many, many stations in this room. Do you see them? No. Do you hear them? No. Do you smell them? No. Do they hurt when they hit you? No. They're banging into you, banging off you, bouncing off you, I assume. They're waves, right? Whatever that looks like. I'm not sure if that's what they are, right? Okay. Are they here? Yes. Do you see them? No. Are they revealed here? Yes. Why can't you see them? I'm not a cleave for that. Okay, how about all the godliness bouncing around all over this room? Especially a room like this. Because what's happening in this room? A bunch of Jews sitting around learning Torah. It's like unbelievable what's going on in this room. The Malachim are up there going, oh. how do they stand that? How do they stay in existence in such a place? Look at what's going on down there. Day one, they thought that they were shyach to the Torah, and God showed them us doing a mitzvah. He said, Moshe knew, talked to them, and Moshe talked to them and said, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Okay, and then and then they saw Juv doing a mitzvah, and they, whoa, oh, that's so far beyond any connection to lacus that we could possibly experience up here. You're right. The Torah belongs down there. That's what Torah is. And so we can bring that about. How? Shazen Nasa, That's what we do. If we want to. If we want to, we can buy shvarma in the shuk. Whatever we want. Oh, I make a bracha on it, Rabbi. Yeah, rabbi right, great. In Carlin they scream when they dive in. You can go to Carlin here. And if any of you had ever been to Carlin here. So they scream when they daven. That, that's their that's their Kanan, you probably been to Carlin. No, you like Carlin, right? So they scream, right? <laughs> no, you like, like No, I think it's I think it's very important you guys should you know, get out and see what's out there. I mean you're in downtown Judaism here, you know, go see what's out there. I mean, you know. The only I mean it's pretty silly living where we live. The only place anybody goes is across Yafo. Okay, it's nice, the vegetables are nice, I agree, and maybe there's some bars, okay, but I mean, go that way, and you see all sorts of fascinating expressions of Yiddishkeit. Not what you do, because you're a Lebavich, okay, but say it, Karlin has nothing to say, aren't a guttle of Karlin, the only two groups of Hasidim that have a direct line from the Maggid to this generation are Labavitch and Karlin. Aaron Guttle of Karlin was a Talmud of the Maggot and the Karliner of Hasidim are still around. There's no one else. Not Everybody Satmer? else is up. what? Not Satmar? Satmar? Satmar showed up in 1944. Really? Satmar came as a result of the fact that Rav Yol saved many, many Jews and when he went to New York, they became his Hasidim. Got it. Right? There was a shtibel. I was there. I was in Satu St. Mary. Right, I was in Satu in Romania. when I just happened to be traveling in Romania. I happened to be, I mean, you know. Anyway, <laughs> you don't happen to be traveling. Anyway, it doesn't matter. When I was in a Baku in yeshiva, so so there was a bar who came for three months to yeshiva. He had parked a car in Greece and he wanted to drive it back to London. What? The Bibbles. right? The Bibbles. The Bibbles. Well, well, that wasn't Romania. That was Yugoslavia, right? So 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 this was nineteen seventy-seven, seventy-eight, something like that. Before Glasnost, before before uh, the, the, the Eastern Europe uh, disintegrated. So, uh, communist Eastern Europe. So so the, he wanted to drive a car from this car, wasn't it? It, it? it went 35 miles an hour. It was a van. Moped. It was a van. So 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 the, the, he, he needed help with the gas. So three of us went with him. We asked the yeshiva we could take a week off. I mean, we went right after Pesach, so we only missed like a day or two of his month. And, and we drove the car back to London with him, but the Tanai that we made with him is my chavrusana, and then this other guy who was a friend of my chavrusana, I didn't know. So the Tanai was that we drive through Eastern Europe, not Western Europe. You know, I see, you know, Italy and Germany, I was interested in, you know, seeing Romania and Bulgaria and Yugoslavia and Hungary, like, what do these places look like? You know, they really weren't in color yet. I mean, it was all black and white. Lamish on the highways. You had a better you had as good a chance of running into a wagon drawn by a horse as a car. The traffic was as many horses, with with Goodyear tires. I don't know whether they're Goodyear, but I mean serious tires on the on the, you know, like real car tires on the wagon. <laughs> serious tires, that's like blow us away and you figure like as a little wooden t- No no serious car tires on the wagon. So they're they're Dip, smooth as silk, drive, but a horse in front, you know, some peasant, you know, probably intravenously connected to alcohol, and then he's you know driving down the you know. So we went to Satumari, which is in Romania. We went to the Stiebel. Tiny little Stiebel. Hundred people could in the Stubel. You know. Took mezuzahs, Also you couldn't have mezuzahs up in Romania those days. The communists were still there. So he, there was a drawer full of mezuzahs. He asked us to take, there was one little one yid there, one yid taking care of the shoe. He asked us to take some mezuzahs, so we took mezuzahs. We still have a mezuzah from satan, gorgeous, beautiful. Puzzle. You can't fix a mezuzah, it has to be written in order. So I mean, if it were to fill tefillin, you can fix it. Gorgeous, beautiful. Incredible, stuff. from written, obviously, before the war. Are you sad? I am not I but as I'm not such a maiden so uh, but uh, beautiful it sits in my Makute Tower Zuzah from Saba beautiful but they, but if you saved you didn't. became big in America they're huge in America 20% of the uh, students in Jewish schools in the United States are in a school run by Saba they're huge. But it all started after the war. So in Karlin, what? They scream. They scream. Baruch! They're, they're, they're not Burich. They say things like us. Baruch! <coughs> Screaming. <coughs> Once a Karlin, in Karlin, a had just come back from davening and his voice was sore. He was walking along the street and he walked past Ravar and a of Karlin's house. Ravar and a was the real thing. It's called the Ravarna of the big Ravarn. He walked by his house. I, somehow he saw in a window, he saw the Rebbe take an apple, make a very quiet Brocha, and eat it. His throat was sore from screaming because this man told him he's supposed to scream. This man just made a quiet bracha. He didn't understand. He's standing there in thought. He doesn't have him hear Hurim on his Rebbe. He just doesn't understand. Ravar came out and said, you're wondering why I made a, a soft bracha? And I tell you to scream. He said, yeah. So I'll tell you the difference in you and me. I eat so I can make a bracha. You make a bracha so you can eat. You have to make a very loud bracha. I don't. The only reason I eat is to make a bracha. So the guy eating the shvarma, instead of going to see what's happening in Karlin, I know he makes a bracha, but I mean, he's making a bracha to eat. He already tastes the shvarma. That's why he's barely through shah- the word shahakol before the shvarma's already in his mouth. Shahakol in Okay. So, I have an opportunity. I, I, I can go get my shvarma, or I can do business. Uh-huh. One is pretty... Exciting. The other, I mean, I mean, you know, as I don't know, it's pretty exciting, you know, taking a sheep and cutting it into pieces and putting it on something, you know, sort of gluing it on something and roasting it and cutting it off with a sharp knife. It's pretty cool. But, you know, probably it's or Gula. Let's finish one more line. And this is why it says by Adam Just one more line that he placed him in Gan Eden, what was he doing there? To, to, to work it and to guard it. And what's that? That's the source of Mitzvah Saseh and Mitzvah Saseh, positive commandments and negative commandments. Through the aveda of avda to serve it, to do something positive. These are the 248 positive commandments, doing something actively. L'Avda, and to guard it which is the passive guarding and what's that zeshase mitzvislasa say these are the two, 365 negative crimes al yaday zeth through this magalim is ganaden chivalim this is how we reveal ganaden in, in 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 the world anamariyon was told la abdulisham you want to get into ganaden you have to avad and shamar oh what's that mitzvisase mitzvislasa say that's what brings about a reality of Gan in our lives, and in the world at large. Okay, well hopefully we can, we'll see if we can finish the mimer tomorrow. Then we've got, uh, we'll do some more Tishrei work for the few days that are left.